Scripture reading comes from Matthew, first chapter, verses 1 through 19, and then Luke, second chapter, verses 4 through 15. Again, this is the Word of God. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Luke. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register, register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men and on on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. This is the word of God. Every time I uh, do a wedding or do premarital counseling, I warn the couple, there's going to be a fight. Uh, not just between the, the people to be married, but between uh, some or, or among some set of family members. Sometimes it's within your own family. Sometimes it's across family. But there's always a fight. It seems like everything we do, every, um, every experience we have has this glorious aspect of it, this magnificent aspect to it. You know, a wedding, what can be better than that? But it always seems to be somehow turned on its head. It seems to be somehow uh, not just dignifying, but undignifying. And there's always some fight, some fuss. You know Uncle Ed's coming, and it's going to be a problem. Everything has 
a, a dignity about it, or so much of our, of our experiences have this incredible dignity about it, and so much of it has so much dysfunction about it. I, I was thinking about all the ways it could be, a dignity or dysfunction, or, or magnificent, or mangy, somehow trying to work manger into it. It wouldn't really work all that well. But uh, I, I ended up with glory and grunge, uh, because I kept thinking about um, rock and rap, um, and I kept thinking about 80s hair bands. Um, with lots of makeup and the men looking really uh, uh, made up and there's there's this kind of glory to it versus the 90s rock and roll which was all the grunge and so glory and grunge kept coming back and forth so you have public enemy who were just besides Flav was just tight looking you know they always looked good they were sharp you know versus kind of some of the uh, the gangster rap that came a little later in the 80s and the early 90s which is just you know it was the Kurt Cobain equivalent uh, and that was the grunge side of things. So I keep thinking about it. I'm going, well, I think, I think glory and grunge is the way I want to think about it. And as I was thinking about Fat Albert uh, and uh, A Christmas Story, which we watched on Tuesday, uh, it's the same thing. You have this incredible, uh, beautiful story of mercy and community. Uh, um, and uh, the poor homeless family has to come in to um, you know, the, 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 the clubhouse, which is in a, which is in a dump. Literally in a junkyard, you have um, you have uh, in a Christmas story or similar. Um, uh, you have you know the, the the actual Christmas story. The, the major genius of a Christmas story, the comic genius of it, is all this kind of incredible, glorious Christmas family thing mixed with all this kind of cynical, grungy, everything not working right kind of thing. Uh, you know, I mean, the glory of the 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 uh, the. Well, let me read it. An official Red Rider carbine action 200-shot model air rifle with, coupled with telling Santa that's what you want and he saying, you'll shoot your eye out. You know? I mean, it's the worst. It's kind of all the best and all the worst. And that, that's what's happening. It's the glory of this family Christmas that was supposed to have all this turkey and uh, the Red Rider BB gun. And they end up, after all things fall apart, they end up where? at a Chinese chop suey restaurant, literally having duck, uh, that originally actually had its head still on it, if you remember, and they had to take that off. Um, that's what we're talking about, the glory and grunge of things, and the glory and grunge of Christmas, this dysfunction and dignity that we have. And that's what Matthew and Luke do for us. Um, and on a very serious note, it's, it, it, it's very much glorious and very much grungy. The long-expected Messiah is coming during national infanticide. Herod has declared the murder of every Jewish boy under two years old. The glory of the coming king, the coming Messiah, in the backdrop of a predatory pride, a bloodthirsty man's desire to keep his throne. The glory and the grunge of things. But why do, why do we need this? Why, why, why do we need this God of glory and this God of grunge? And, well, my two instances make me, uh, that happened this week make me think that we really do need it. Um, one, I was at a party. Am I okay here? I was at a party and the, um, uh, this just yesterday, actually, or the day before yesterday, and they went through that great little book of questions book, you know, and the question was, how, uh, what was your greatest accomplishment? And we went around through the table, and we started talking about kind of glory days, if you will, and there's that nervous kind of 
you know, I want to kind of tell you what I really did, and I'm kind of proud of it, but I don't want to sound like a brag, you know, like I'm bragging, and there's this kind of nervous kind of experience that you're going through as you're telling the story. But at the same time, when, when you actually do tell it, people are like, yeah, that was really great. It's wonderful. There's all this support. Um, see, we need to know that God can be the God of not just his glory, but our glory as well. And just earlier this week, something similar happened. I was uh, saw someone coming into the coffee shop, surprised me being at the coffee shop, um, uh, came in the coffee shop and said, Pastor Giorgio, I have got some stories for your dysfunctional family Christmas this year. Uh, I can tell you a couple. If you, I got a list of them. Whatever one you want, we can do it. It's happening live and uh, you know, ready right here this week. So we experience life in such a way that requires, uh, that, that, that makes us long for someone who can understand this grunge and this glory that we have. Very seriously, some need to be rescued from the grungiest memories, whether Christmas or not. Memories of parents not being there, sometimes wishing parents weren't there when they were there. Fathers that weren't there, mothers that weren't there, abuses, disappointments either caused by yourself or by another, uh, or even devastations. And we need someone to walk alongside of in the glory of things. We need someone to show us the way, how to manage uh, the good times as well. And that's what this incredible story of Christmas is. It's a story of the God of glory and the, glo- the God of grunge. Let's look at the, go- the God of glory for a little bit and just kind of talk a little bit about that. Let's look at uh, Matthew 1, uh, 1, the very first part of, of, of the, our reading today. It, it starts with this incredible magnificence, this incredible dignity. Jesus is described in the very first verse of the very first book, bo- Gospel, a record of a genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and he goes through. What, what Matthew's doing here is saying, Jesus comes from good stock. He's, he's the right kind of guy. He's the Hebrew of Hebrews. He's the, he, he comes from good folk. His family's good. These are, these are good people. And not just good people, great people. The people um, that, uh, that, that redemptive history is kind of linked around all the way through. He comes from good stock, this incredible pedigree. He's the uh, Abraham's son. The father of the multitude is what Abraham means. This is a man who has promised things before any kind of great development of who Yahweh was. He trusted Yahweh and followed him instead. The father of all Israel. Abraham is Jesus' great, 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 great. Granddaddy. And David's son? It doesn't get much better than this. This is not like George Washington or Abe Lincoln for us, because, you know, we just don't do that. You gotta, we, gotta have, we don't do that as well. I mean, that's kind of cool, but this is the central, the central family upon whom uh, uh, the, the entire story of Israel uh, is built. This means you're an heir to the throne. This means you're William or Henry. I don't know the other one's name. Henry, the real heir apparent. I think it's Henry. Um, Herod knows this, that that's why... Uh, and, and Herod knows this, and that's why he wants him killed. The Magi know this. That's why they come bring honor to the king. You can't get, you can't get Matthew's picture big enough of what the glory that this is about, how important this is, how big that this is. Everything in Israel's history has been waiting up for this. The end of the books of the Bible in the Old Testament ends with this ellipsis, this dot, dot, dot. And it's all kind of waiting with bated breath for this one who is coming, this great Messiah who is to be here, the one whom we are supposed to kind of, the, the one that we will call Christ or anointed one or Messiah. That's what's happening. There's 400 years now where there's no inscripturated word being spoken. 
And on the scene comes this one who is Abraham's son and David's son, this one called Jesus. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah says, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I was trying to think of people I know who have descendants, and uh, I was talking to my mom, and, uh, and, and I was just actually talking to her about this, and there's kind of a going joke of, of who we're descendants of. They're not all good. Um, but one person, and you're going to be very impressed by the two people that are most famous that I'm related to, one is Peregrine White. See? Peregrine White was like the first baby born on the Mayflower or something like that. So, you know, how about that? Uh, I know, you're really impressed. I can see it. The other person, which is even more impressive that I'm related to, and you're really not, if you don't know me, you're not going to believe it, is that I'm related to King Kamehameha. And King Kamehameha was the great king of uh, Hawaii. He's the one that united the islands by conquest, but he united the islands and, uh, uh, and uh, was, was this great king. And so, you know, like Jesus, I have good pedigree to some degree. We'll get back to what my pedigree really looks like here in a little bit. But, um, but, but I, as I was trying to think about wh- what we are, I, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know if there's an equivalent of, of, of this kind of incredible glory that's given to Jesus here and what that means. Because it's not just his relationship uh, with his family, which is incredible, but it's also his friends. If, if, if your prestige is tied to your family, it's also tied to the friends that you keep. And so think about the friends that he keeps here, the people that are around him. The people that are around him are angels of the Lord. That's who speaks about Jesus. Turn with me to, to the ninth, ninth verse of Luke, which is in that second part. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. There's that glory word again. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. An angel of the Lord comes. You can't, angels of the Lord don't like show up on every page of scripture. Angels of the Lord come like in the burning bush with Moses. It happens with, uh, when, um, Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac. It's, a uh, um, it's about times when John, Joshua is about to, uh, conquer the, the, uh, promised land. This is not just your normal everyday occurrence. An angel of the Lord comes to bring commentary on what's about to happen. The glory there. And today in a town, a date, in the town of David, again, linking back to that pedigree. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, or the Anointed One of the Lord. But there's just there's more to that. It's not just one angel. It's the suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appear with angels. And so there's a choir of angels that come. A largest choir you could ever think of comes up, and it's just it's this majestic event. And I, it always makes me think of of uh, of some huge choir, some uh, Messiah presentation, or some something big and magnanimous and glorious. And 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 that's what you need to think of. It's Gloria, all the O's. All the excelsis, all the deos, as long as you can go 50 times over. That's what you need to think of. It's part of my singing, or lack of singing. Uh, The angels 
If the friends you keep comment on your pedigree of your glory, either your glory or, or what you bring forth, the angels of the Lord come and bring commentary. And they say, the Savior is born and the Lord is born. God's messengers come and speak to this event. And they say, this is glorious. And this is the glorious one. Luke is actually doing something here that you wouldn't know. In the first century, when when uh, when when emperors would celebrate their birthdays, they would actually get huge choirs of people uh, around to sing about how great they were. And actually, the, the Caesar Augustus, who is the emperor of the time, actually had on his at one of his birthdays uh, a set of choirs of all sorts of different people to sing about his bringing worldwide peace. Worldwide peace, unless you're one of the ones that the peace is exacted on. Uh, but hey, that's, what it, that's what he's doing. That, that, that's what happened. And Luke is purposely setting up a whole nother set of choirs, not ones hoodwinked into it by man's manipulation, but the very messengers of God himself declaring glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to whom, on whom his favor rests. Luke, being the great tricky guy that he is, is saying, uh-uh, it's not that king. It's this one coming. That's what he's doing here. And so what does this mean for us that this God of glory comes to us in Christmas? So what? So what if this is, there's a glorious God, there's a glorious God baby born? What does that mean? It's going to mean several things in a little bit, but I want to just take some time to, to say, what does it mean that we can be comfortable with uh, Comfortable with who we are. We can be comfortable with who we are, whether gifted, whether related to Perry Green White, or related to the Hyatts, which is my actual last name, and in Hyattsville, Kansas, uh, which is named after the Hyatts. The reason it's named after the Hyatts is because it was the single largest mass hanging that occurred to horse thieves in Kansas. Uh, And so all 18 of my kinfolk were strung up to large trees all around Hyattsville, Kansas, because they were thieves. Um, and so what it means is that you can actually live and walk in to your, uh, into who you are knowing there's a glory outside of yourself. Knowing that there's another glory that you don't have to hold to. But it doesn't just mean you can feel the glory of you know, having a bad reputation family like the Hyatts. But even if you had a good reputation, if you do come from good stock, that's okay. There is one who's walked that path with you or before you. It's okay. We'll work with that. That Jesus can work with that. That doesn't disqualify you in some upside-down kingdom way. You can be part of the lineage of David and be okay as we're connected to him. But it, what it does is it subverts our ability to put any worth in those accomplishments. It, put, it subverts our ability to say, well, I am, son, I am a son of David, or I am a son of King Kamehameha, which I know is not that big of a deal, but it's one in height lore that really is important. Um, uh, I am a son of Peregrine White. Or you can, you, you can say those things and just kind of be happy about it. And that's cool. That's great. It doesn't give you any ultimate worth. It give you any ultimate worth. I, my dad did a dangerous thing growing up. And I still can't figure out if I, this is just really great and I want to do this with my son. Or if, um, it, or if I, I really want to kind of keep away from it. But I remember leaving the house t- at times and my dad going, Remember, you're a Hyatt. And you need to preserve that name. There's something really beautiful and dignified about that. 
But there's something, at least in my family, in my setup, that Hyatt meant you're better than everybody else. <laughs> and so show it. And so you were tied to you, you were tied with all this responsibility to be the guy and do all these great things, and you weren't just able. It was it was kind of a, a wrong. Uh, uh, it was kind of an oppressive thing. And the and the and the and you what you couldn't do was mess up the worth that Hyatt's felt about being Hyatt's. That's the thing you needed to protect. Not that there's something else out there. There's not not any really true. Well, maybe there is great true love for me as an individual. But the issue was to protect the family name. The great thing about having one who is glorious or being sent one who's the God of glory is that there's a larger and more encompassing reality than anything that you have on your own. But, as I said before, all glory also has grunge, or at least it does in this case. The sort of grunge that you see when when finally Ralphie's got the Red Rider baby gun. He's put the BBs in. He's aiming for his target. It's the very first shot of the Red Rider BB gun. And he's, he even says, oh, I don't remember what he says, but he said, he's talking to, the, to the, uh, the villain. He says, you know, you've got to put down your gun or whatever, uh, your, your, whatever it is. And he shoots it. And it bounces right off whatever was behind the target and hits him right in the glass. And, it, and, and basically, <laughs> the next line is, oh, no, I shot my eye out. <laughs> It's the same thing that has these kind of ravenous dogs come in and take that turkey that leads them to the uh, leads them to the singing of fa ra 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 at uh, at a Christmas story uh, over at uh, the Chop Suey restaurant. Now I have to tell you, and it's dangerous telling this story because it's kind of it's funny to anybody who hasn't been there. And I'm probably going to laugh through it because basically, well, it might not be funny to you, but um, uh, because I don't want to cry about it. But last Christmas was absolutely the 100% worthless, worst, worst uh, family Christmas logistically ever in my experience. Okay, so we're going down to Pensacola, which is my, where my mom and sister are. We get down there, everything's running fine. We get, we're leaving on the 24th to get to Amanda's family's house on the 24th about... Uh, three or so, maybe a little bit before then, so we can spend some time with them. Um, uh, and uh, there's a bunch of parties that we got to go to over there. It's all going to be great. It's wonderful. Well, it starts, of course, the problem in Pensacola when I have a flat tire. And so I have to, of course, unload everything I just loaded so that I can uh, get the, the, the other tire out of where my car is. And I had to pull it out, had to, uh, had to go get the tire, take it to the nine-mile tire, whatever it is, take it to another place, had to sit there for a couple hours. You know, in, in, we had a one-year-old at the time, and you're, you're going, oh, what, what's going to happen to the nap here? You know, that glorious nap driving time was slowly being taken away, and then that's just dangerous work if you have a kid and not napping during a car ride. Uh, I know people leave at midnight just so the kid's sleeping so that they can, they can make it all the way home uh, without a problem. Amen, I get amen over there. Yeah. Um, so, so we're working through all that problem. It's just awful. Well, of course, we get there way late. Carver, of course, his nap's all messed up. He's been a mess. We're a mess. Nothing's working. I literally have grease on my hands as I pull up to, uh, to, uh, to Amanda's dad's uh, house, Amanda's dad and her ste- his stepmom's house, um, her stepmom's house, and nobody is there. And there is no key. And so we're stuck out there getting on the cell phones trying to figure it out. And, you know, it's like, welcome to Christmas Eve. You know, you know you're just like, we're here. You're not. 
<laughs> you know? And so we get there and there's not a person there and everything is literally all dark and nothing is there. And so we're like, what are we going to do? Of course they had to go to the parties. They forgot about leaving the key. So we go to Granny's house. Granny's house is uh, uh, just a couple miles away, but we realize we don't have the right food and the food's in the house. And we just, so at 7 p.m., where am I? I know it's 7 p.m. because at 7 p.m. is when Publix closes on New Year's Eve, I mean, on, a, on Christmas Eve. So I'm literally at 6.58 running in trying to get, cl- get stuff for Carver and us so we can eat something that night. It's just a complete mess. We get there, uh, we get home, and of course, because Amanda's dad's a, uh, the chair of the deacons and they have midnight uh, you know, service or 10 p.m. service that ends at midnight, we don't see him at all. The next time I see Lee, Lee Carver is, uh, is when I walk into his room about 10 a.m. the next morning. Now, if you have a one-year-old, that's like so thoroughly late. No one, I mean, that's like 3 p.m. might as well be. Um, and he is just sick, deathly ill sick. And this is Christmas morning. This is Christmas morning. And now uh, Amanda's mother died about three years ago, and uh, uh, Amanda's dad remarried. So you have the whole blended family thing going that's just brand-new blended family, and you're just kind of trying to figure all that stuff out. And we don't know each other at all, but we're trying to do family Christmas. Oh, it was just a complete nightmare. And then, of course, with all the sickness and all the other things, someone forgot to go shopping. So we literally had no Christmas meal. See, Amanda, why you want to laugh at me like that? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) We literally had no Christmas meal. Not, Not anything. Nothing. And so we drive, we get out and we go, well, we've got to go find a place to eat. And so we go to Denny's, but it's packed. We can't even go to Denny's. So we drive to Outback and every other place. And then we drive to this place that I had seen. You know, I mean, it's from Columbus, but I knew it was a new restaurant. It's a restaurant that has been converted from an old uh, gold gym. And it's called Jumbo China. I'm not kidding you. This is the God's honest truth. We ate at Jumbo China that day. Just one year ago today, or one year ago, you know, one season ago, we ate at Jumbo China. And guys, the, the, I like Chinese food, but this was the worst Chinese food I've ever had in my life. I literally got the corn dogs and pizza from the other one that was a buffet. I literally got the corn dogs and pizza because the Sichuan chicken was so bad. So we're sitting there, and all, uh, 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 um, we're sitting there, and we're just. We're eating the egg drop soup. And there's six people there, every sick, tending to, and there's just six uh, uh, siblings there and, and wives, spouses. And we just, you know, almost teary, almost too shocked to know what's going on. And so, so I, all I, I, I was watching a Christmas uh, story the other day, you know, just on Tuesday night. And, I, and, I, and Ralphie had this, it's Ralphie as narrator above Ralphie. He says, Life is like that. Sometimes at the height of our reveries, when our joy is at its zenith, when all is most right with the world, the most unthinkable disasters descend upon us. You see, Jesus' coming is a coming of the Lord of grunge, not just the Lord of glory. I know it's lame to read the genealogies for a Christmas story. Uh, for, for Christmas and just kind of read all those genealogies. But look at those with me. Starting in two, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. That's the good part. 
Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of the king David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. Judah, on that list, was the incestuous whoremonger You could have said he was a John. Solomon, the husband of a prostitute. Obed, the Jewish half-breed. Solomon, the son of an adulterer. That's crazy enough. That's the bad people. But then there's the ostracized people. Matthew puts women in Jesus' genealogy. Matthew puts people who aren't supposed to be in genealogies in genealogies. He puts nobodies culturally speaking, with regard to genealogies in genealogies. Four of them. One was a seductress. One was a pushy Moabitess. One was a prostitute. And one was an adulteress. Tamar duped her father until, uh, uh, father-in-law into giving her an offspring. Rahab worked in the red light districts in Jericho. Ruth was the very forward, very forward uh, Moabitess woman who uh, somehow managed her way under Boaz's tent. Uh, Uriah's wife was Bathsheba, who had an affair with King David. These are nobodies. These are weaklings. These are people who aren't supposed to be in genealogies. You kind of try to forget that part of the family tree. You prune those parts from the family tree. I am the son, in using genealogical terms, I am the son of King Kamehameha, but I am the son of King Kamehameha's 16th concubine. Not so impressive anymore, right? A little, little less glorious, a little more grunge. I am the son of King Kamehameha's 16th concubine. And you know what? Jesus' parents weren't much better off. Now, I think Joseph and Mary were incredible, faithful followers of Yahweh uh, and soon to be Jesus. That They were incredible people. But you must understand what this looked like. This is a single, out-of-wedlock mother. You understand this. And that's like, you know, if that's kind of kind of a big deal now that you can't even think about how big of a deal it was then. In fact, Joseph just being... I mean, think of what Joseph had to do. Yeah, guys, you know, um, she's pregnant, but it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay. That's going to go down real well. That's gonna, it was, no, seriously, it was the Holy Spirit. This angel came to me. I mean, I just... It was the Holy Spirit. She said, yes, you know, yada, 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 we're here. I mean, come on now. Come on, Joseph, what have you been smoking, man? Or why are you trying to cover up your sin? You know you did this. He had, he tried to divorce her, you know this. Scriptures uh, uh, says he tried to divorce her for her shame and his was going to be too great. Now he didn't, the Lord preserved him, which is glorious and wonderful. But even being... Even being with her now, seemingly alone, without uh, a handmaiden, or would would have been would have proved that he actually did do it, because he wasn't showing himself uh, to be free uh, beyond reproach. This is who Jesus is born to: a single mom in a broken family, under a stigma of shame. Joseph had to say, "God got my betrothed one pregnant." Now, I've heard, you know, Satan made me do it, but I never heard God made me do it like that. So what about the friends that you keep? Well, now think about Jesus' friends. 
not just the angels, but the angels came to the shepherds. Shepherds were people, were the used car salesmen of the first century, and there's nothing wrong with used car, selling used cars. It's just, I use it as a uh, caricature. You know that, that shepherds weren't allowed to testify in court because everybody knew they were liars? They were unclean. They were unable to enter the Holy of Holies, or I mean, not the Holy of Holies, the, court, the outer courts even. They were considered unclean. They just kind of made it a rule. Shepherds are like the worst people to kind of make your case with, you know? The last person you want, if you're doing, having a credible witness, is a shepherd. And who does the God of all glory and God of all grunge go to to proclaim the things he proclaims? But the lousy, misfit shepherds. He really goes to Fat Albert and friends. He goes to, 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 uh, to all the people that, that, that nobody really thinks are, are worthwhile. He goes to Mushmouth and Dumb Donald and, and Weird Harold and Bucky and Rudy. And, I mean, just, he goes to the goofballs. He goes to the total dorks of the world. And not just dorks, and not just people who are ostracized because they're goofy. They're ostracized because they're bad. That's who he goes to to proclaim this glory. He goes straight to the grunge. A first century reader who would have read, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, would be sure what would follow was, and smited them down. That's not what happened. His other friends, well, they're donkeys and chickens and cows because he was in a manger. The Lord of glory in a trough. All I can think of is Russell. At, uh, when we were watching Russell in the very beginning of Fat Albert, um, there, the, uh, I think Bill's up there being the angel and he's declaring... Uh, uh, there, there'll be the sounds of a savior, or something like that, and rapping at the door is Tyrone. And Russell goes, "That don't sound like a savior." No one in the first century would read this and not say with Russell, "That doesn't sound like a savior." It just doesn't. It doesn't sound like a savior, but it is, and it's beautifully so. So, what about the grunge? What about the grunge of Christmas? I don't know where you are. I don't know if, if your family's been hanged. Your family is a family of concubines. I, 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 I don't know. I think of Ralphie's as an adult talking about his father and the, 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 the different kind of pedigree he has when he talks about him being a, a, a swearing artist uh, who used his craft with such, with such uh, ability, a, a, media, a master of his medium for, for doing cuss words, if that's your legacy. Um, I don't know if you're like Bill and Russell, and Russell asks him, you know, he says to, he says to, Bill says to Russell, you know, you're, you're like uh, school in the summertime with no class. I don't know if that's your family, but I know this, that the Lord of glory came to be the Lord of grunge over bad people in bad places, and he came to redeem them. See, there's a mixing here. There's a mixing of those who are in Christ, who are, who are Lord and, who, who come to Him as Lord and Savior. So He's Lord. That means He's God and you're not. Your lineage, your pedigree, your goodness doesn't matter. He's Lord over all that. But He's also Savior. So if your pedigree is messed up and, and your, your family is shameful and you're personally shameful, He's the Savior too. Lord over all your goodness, all your brokenness, and Savior from all that is broken in you. 
and all that is broken in your family. That's who Jesus is. That's who Matthew and Luke come and tell us who he is in this story today. He is Lord and Savior. And I know we hear Lord and Savior so much in church, it just makes us sick sometimes. We don't even know what it means. It's like bumper sticker. But he is Lord, the one who reigns over all things, good and bad. And he's Savior, one who rescues not just us from our family, but us from ourselves and our own brokenness and our own weakness. (laughs) He does that. I am the son, I think that's my son in there, over there too, by the way. I am the son of a concubine. But I'm the son of King Kamehameha too. Which means, in Hawaii, that I am allowed to go to Kamehameha school. That I'm allowed to, uh, to uh, I have privileges, even though I only have one sixteenth Hawaiian in me. One sixteenth of Kamehameha in me. I, I'm allowed to go to these things. I'm allowed to be a part. I'm, I, I could get on the newsletter and, to, and be entered in there. So it doesn't matter who my great 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 grandma is. It matters who my great 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 granddad is. And the fact that he was king allows me into privileges that I would never have on my own. And it's just silly because I've been to a couple of things with my dad who looks more Hawaiian and my grandfather, my grandmother who definitely looked more Hawaiian. Um, and I go and I just feel goofy. Talk about adoption, you know, talk about, you know, obvious difference, you know, a redheaded, very white guy going to the Kamehameha parties. Um, and I really don't have a place unless the king is my daddy. Unless the king is my daddy. The great glory of the gospel is that if you're in Christ, the, the genealogy doesn't end with Jesus because he has come to the glorious and to the grungy, adopting them to himself. And in him, Giorgio Hyatt is at the end or at one of the ends of the genealogy. I don't deserve it. It's just the king is my daddy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the father of your church, that you are the king, the king of glory and grunge, that you are the one who, uh, who was in a manger and associated with people like shepherds, but also associated with people like angels, so that us who are born of, born, uh, of concubines could sit at the throne of the king. Lord, thank you. We don't deserve it. We don't even appreciate it most of the time. But you've done that for us. Help us this Christmas season cling deeply to those truths. Help us who are a ragtag group of people experience the dignity of being a son of glory because you are the glorious God. We ask this in your name. Amen.